Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm your host, giving you the astrological news, astrological forecast coming up. All right. So here we are in the boom boom room. Aha! So, as we all know, still the age of Aquarius. Sun is still in Aquarius. Should be cusping. Should be. It should. Let's go take a look. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Here's our dear son. Boom, boom, boom. It's conjunct. We are right there, dead in the middle. Down near the middle. Middle. No, that's Saturn that's right in the middle. Sun. Still got some more time. Past Aquarius. Pisces. We got five weeks and three days until March equinox. And for our day and night cycle, we got 10 hours of daytime and 13 hours of nighttime. Boy, I can't wait till we get nice and balanced out. Our sunrise was at 6.58 a.m. It was highest in the sky around 12.11. Oh, yeah, I felt that. When I was outside, I was like, hmm, it's a bit warm out here. And the sun is going to set. At 5.24 p.m. Still a bit early, but not as early as, like, in the, you know, 4 o'clock is subject. Let's look at the moon. So, we're 62% waxing. As we're coming through this transition, we're a little past half. We got another six days and 20 hours to our next full moon. Look forward to that. The moon rise was at uh, 1123 in the morning. It was highest in the sky, or it will be highest in the sky at uh, 655 tonight. That's its transit. And the moon will be setting at 1.34 in the morning. Not a whole lot of moon time. But hey, we got a little over half. No planets are in retrograde. So, let's look at a quick summary of... Our astrological forecasting, I just told y'all a little bit about our sun and moon. And what to look forward to is today, 
this Wednesday, the moon will be going into Gemini at 5.26 a.m. Cool. Um, well, be careful with what you say. That's all I have to say. Tomorrow, same old, same old transits that you've been experiencing. Now, on Friday, February the 11th, you can look forward to a Mercury conjunct Pluto and the moon going into Cancer. Now, the Mercury uh, going to be conjuncting Pluto, that's going to be at 9.07 a.m. in the morning that Friday. You take that as some things are about to change your mind. Very possible, you know. You got the moon with Gemini, boom. You know, things about your mind and what you've been saying, you know. You got to be careful. It could be a blessing or it could be a curse. There's two sides of that Gemini right there with that moon placement shoot. And then... You got that Mercury going to be conjunct with that Pluto coming up. So, yeah, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all make sure you got a clear mind right here. Because you got this Gemini and then you got the Mercury. So, there, there's, some, there's some mind things going on. You know what I mean? So here we are, uh, that moon going into Cancer on that Friday will be at 6.26 p.m. So here we are, looking at Saturday. Mercury is going to be trying the North Node. And then it's going to be sextiling the South Node. Now when it trines the North Node, that's going to be at 12.45 Oh, that's going to be at the same time with the uh, South Node. That's going to be on Saturday. So, there's going to be a tug and a pull and a push regarding how you've been grappling with your mind and your emotions with this moon <clears throat> going from Gemini and then going to its home in Cancer. So, there's, there's a resolution coming up. That's what you can look forward to. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna alter who you were and who you're gonna be. Yep, that Saturday you can look forward to some change coming up. And now let's look forward to the next ten days. Look into the future. The moon going into Leo. Then Pluto going to be trying. The North Node and Pluto going to be sextiling the South Node. And then Mercury is going to be going into Aquarius. Ooh, isn't that some more effect on the age of Aquarius? And with it also being Aquarius season, you notice all of this going on. Then we got Venus conjuncting Mars. Then after that, 
full moon. All of this panning out for a full moon. Oh, man, y'all got to look forward to y'all. this stuff coming up, guys. Then the moon going to go into Virgo. Then Jupiter is going to sextile. Uranus. Then finally, finally, the sun goes into Pisces. We can look forward to that. And then the moon going into Libra. Ooh. Whoosh. Whoosh. All right. So let's go ahead and give y'all the outline for this next 10 days. When the moon is going to be going into Leo, that's going to be on a Monday. That's February the 17th. No. February the 14th at 6, 16 a.m. Ooh, that emotional stuff that's coming from that Mercury trining sextile. The north and south node coming off from that Mercury conjoint Pluto and then the moon from from Cancer. Yeah, man. There's a resolution. There's going to be a resolution to what initially transpired from the Gemini moon. <laughs> Isn't that something? And, you know, for us today, going ten days into the future, then it's going to the moon going to end in Libra. So that's that's a unique spin. On that gaps initiating and starting things, because you know, Libra could be known for starting things and not finishing it. <laughs> so here we are. Pluto, Pluto <coughs> is going to be trying the North Node. So that Pluto is going to go on and give you a resolution for your North Node, and then it's going to sextile the South Node. Going up, mean you're going to go through changes on the. Mercurian level to a Plutarian level. These next days gonna cleanse you of all of this stuff for the Pisces season, right? You could take it as that. Then that Mercury gonna go to Aquarius. So that that communication and you know things some some new ideas because Aquarius is innovative. So, you know, after after what Mercury and Pluto does to your north and south node, that Mercury coming through with Aquarius is, boom, another revelation. But unlike the, the moon going to Leo, this is more actualized. I mean, this is proximity, could be, which is self, individuality. Or, or this go on ripple to the community. So here we are. Um, I didn't tell you. So when when Pluto trines the North Node and the South Node, that's going to be Monday, February fourteenth at three thirty eight p.m. <coughs> you can look forward to that. When Mercury goes into Aquarius, that's also going to be. Monday the 14th at 4.47 p.m. When Venus is going to conjunct Mars, there goes a clash. Relationship, action, clash. There's 
there's gonna be some clashing. You know what I mean? Is ironic coming right after from Pluto. Well, first Mercury and then Pluto and then Mercury then going into Aquarius. This is gonna be some more things to look forward to. It's not over. That's gonna be on February sixteenth on a Wednesday at nine twenty three AM. Then we're gonna go into that full moon boom. So uh we're gonna have a full moon in uh Leo's looking like. In between Leo and Virgo. Yeah. It would be uh, curious to see where exactly, but you know what I mean? As we go with our astrological forecast, we're, we're sure to see. So, um, then the moon goes into, oh yeah, that full moon is going to be also on a Wednesday, February the 16th at 11.57 a.m. The moon going into Virgo will also be on a Wednesday, February the 16th at 3.41 p.m. Then we got Jupiter. It's going to be sextiling. And Uranus. Now, depending on what other things we got into consideration. This is some super powerful things in Uranus. Going in conjunction with the whole Aquarius theme before you leave Aquarius season, but it's still Aquarius, you know, the age of Aquarius is growth in Aquarian-like things, environments, activities, people, ideas. You get to just think different. It's going to bless you. Be a little more out of the box. It's going to bless you. And that's going to be on a Thursday, February 17th at 7.12 p.m. Sun goes into Pisces. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. February the 18th on a Friday at 11.37 a.m. And we're going to go into Libra, moon into Libra. So with it being Piscean season coming up, you can imagine that Piscean dream coming to fruition. And then with the moon also being so libertarian, you will be balanced. It will encourage balance during this time because the dream can collapse. Yeah, man. Well, you know, what already passed. This is where you could prove if astrology is true for you or not true for you. Mars was uh, trining Uranus. That was back uh, Tuesday. And today is a Wednesday, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, something a bit different happened and it did spark some passion in me. Yesterday, yeah. And then moon with the first quarter, yeah, but I did feel that, you know, I'm on a new quota right now. So with the moon going being in Taurus, it is true. I I do feel like my mind I'm building, I'm working towards something I'm bored to be methodical and patient, yeah. 
Not past on Sunday. No, it was back in February the 6th. Yep. So, uh, there we go. Let's see. Um, what we got going on. Uh, we did look at the chart right now just to see. Um where the sun was precisely so let's look at the written down chart and this could also be hypothetically somebody who was born as of right now on february the 9th at 3 56 p.m on the east coast new york time in uh the u.s so Leo, first house, empty. Leo, second house, empty. Leo, first house is is unique because this is your passion. You should be feeling pretty darn motivated and you should be valuing and building towards your kingdom because this is the Taurus house. This is productive right here. Third house is Virgo. This is very personal. The communication, it's empty. It's okay. And, um, you know, as far as your insight, this could be a bit of a struggle for you. But, you you know, once when you have that, that confidence and the courage, you, you know what to say because it's within you. And that's, that's the whole concept of Virgo right there. Fourth house Libra. You got your fortune that you're going for, going towards. Um, for as like your uh, achievements, you know what what it you know actually means. This really is for a Vedic uh, chart. If y'all know anything about that, you know. In due time, after when I go over my intermediate studies with y'all because that's where we are. So it's like we're able to go all around the wheel and trade off on virtually any planet and sign. That's the advanced stuff for y'all. And then we can move on to the Vedic. Once we learn the Vedic, it, it opens the door up and more learning and more of a coincidence. And then, you know, what I've been studying and noticing is that instance is like oh astrology scary astrology spooky or I don't mess with astrology or I, I don't want to know my future I, I guess since that that Vedic chart that is your practical self and tropical western chart is your ideal self which you, had, you, you, you could be or probably ought to be striving for what I notice is some differences but as y'all know, when you're acquiring stuff like that is uh, mainly why I'm saying this is online-wise. It, it might be a bit off with location. You know, it might be off with exactly where the planets are when, you know, recording the the accuracy of the position of planets. You know, can you really know that? Or... Is it, you know, really that accurate? So I I, I want y'all to 
explore and challenge yourself, you know, so you could get more understanding of, of aspects because no planets disappear for anybody, you know, for any of time. No planets disappear. Not like as if they're not in the solar system all of a sudden. Meaning that all those planets have signs and those qualities and aspects and they're all with, all within you. You have to know when to recognize it and when to apply it at a time and a place. You know, there's a time and a place for all aspects of, of the zodiac. So there you go. Your south node is going to be in the fourth house in Libra. So, you know, your fortune is, you know, what you're striving for, what you will find fortune for is in a Libra-like thing. And, ironically, your south node is here. So, your south node is uh, also, like, I would say probably in a lower self of a quality of, of yourself in your birth chart because your, your your rising sign is your evolving self it can evolve and it will unlock when you learn lessons and you go throughout your chart your south node is a this is fixed qualities and personalities and this is like your old self going away. Because you, you cannot hold on to the past. The yourself a minute ago, you cannot hold on to that. Even as close as that. So that's what the self note really means is 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 opportunity to look back at where you came from. And your self note does move all throughout the chart. And you know, planets transit, signs transit, you know, so it's it's ever evolving. And, you know, that's that's also what gives you the insight on, you know, modern day. You know, like like when I'm doing now astrological forecast, you know, it, it helps you out with then navigating positions and times. Because like I said, it's a time and a place for all of these qualities, all of these planetary, all these sign qualities. So here we are, fifth house. And it's ruled by Scorpio. So yes, I you know, I think Scorpio could can be fine. There is a dichotomy here because Scorpio, sex and death, reincarnation, rebirth, survivalist. When you got that survivalist king, it is not really that beneficial for the kingdom, because it's not an Aquarian individualistic, although, you know, Scorpio can admire that about Aquarius, but also could clash, you know, with, with Aquarius on that, you know, how, how they individualize themselves, because Scorpio's more of a rebelliousness, the, you know, the... Scorpio's the rebel. Aquarius is the rogue. Huh? That's the difference. So, uh, your vertex. You know, this is where 
things are getting mixed up. This is where that change, this is where the unexpected happens. This is where there could be a twist. And uh, depending on the house, and here we are, the fifth house for you. So, in combination with your vertex and your fortune, you could take the combination to, to like, something to do with your, you know, emotional home. And how you, you're governing your emotions and how you view security. Can be unlocked in a scorpion-like way. Or your scorpion-like way can unlock in, in your, in what you view home. And home doesn't have to be something physical, it could be something mental. And that's what the higher learning of the moon and the mind is that is home right there and until you take care of your home you know keep up with your home you know all of that that's the higher learning of that saying when when your astrologers say home six house capricorn is here and I noticed that Capricorn been having a party lately. Yeah, Mars, it has Mars, it has, you know, it has Mars in its grasp. And, you know, Capricorn here is due diligence. It's, it's work savvy right here with Mars, right here. So this is yourself right here, personal self. Oh, yeah, right now, how, how things is going, how you're doing. Very productive right here. Strong placement. Astrologers would say strong placement. It does not mean exalted. And it does not mean dignified. In our modern interpretations, we notice some qualities. And, you know, now with our, you know, the uh, the land around us is just, you know, different. You know, unlike ancient astrology so there's there's modern day interpretations and all that and taking into consideration and you know people are wary about capricorn and mars because mars isn't patient like taurus if mars could learn that taurian like quality that taurus like quality is golden you know and for my teaching, what I teach all is that the signs can benefit off of qualities from its neighboring sign because they're neighbors. In a sense, yeah, the 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 sign next to you can be compatible as a partner, but there is a a clash, and sometimes it could be built for last. It's most likely, likely is not. So, yeah, you got Venus here with Capricorn in the sixth house. You got Mercury, which is dignified in the sixth house. It, you know, got, you know, Venus with Capricorn, there's a, it's not really that happy. Well, I shouldn't say that. Venus is happy with Capricorn. It just, 
takes time. <laughs> That's the thing about Venus. Venus can be impatient. Yeah. And then you got Pluto with Capricorn, right? So you got a stellium and a sign in a in a house. Meaning there's extra emphasis and lessons to be learned right here in this house and in this sign quality of yourself about achievement honor because there we go we got Mars right there Mars with this Capricorn there we go we got honor right there but the Venus as it gives it time and you know that Mercury even though Mercury is at home, it is paired up with a malefic planet, and that is Pluto. So there's, there's a clash, and there's going to be something going on with the dominant power of, of, of this, you know, natural house ruler ship right here. In, in a way, like how having Saturn there, Saturn is malefic, not you know, that malefic. Well, classically speaking, malefic. But as far as in my teachings, we we don't, you know, hand out, if you notice, you know, with, with my wordage, you know, we just don't hand out labels for, for every planet. Some planets do have this quality, and some planets actually, you know, don't. So, it's, you know, for malefic planets and... You know, the sun is an exception. It depends on the house that it's in. You know? And that's what also puts puts emphasis on interpretations. It's not so much of, oh, what sign is it? it you know, once when you get into the sign, it's with the combined interpretation of what house is in. So it's like if, if the sun was here in the sixth house along with Mercury, Venus, and Mars and Capricorn, there would be even though Mercury is dignified, there would be a clash because you know the sun's um archetype and how it comes and its dominance compared to a planet. So, you know, that that concept of, of clashing with planet leadership creates a dissonance. Right there. And for this sixth house. This is the house of, of, of you, thy person. You know. First six houses is, you know, something actualized. Something for real, tangible. Especially the first four houses, as I would teach y'all. Because not even considering a physical house, your mind is the home. So even, like considering that fourth house is is very much tangible when you have your sixth house it, it gets a little more high concept but it's to put it all into a hypothetical and man when when pluto is conjunct with mercury this person is always going to be challenged with their viewpoint and how they communicate. 
Their communication style is bound to always go through changes and they will always learn new things with Pluto right here, conjunct with Mercury. This gives that person, uh, because Pluto's obsession also, power, destruction, obsession. Conjuncting uh, a Mercury, so... It's, it's, it's a lot of things. And Pluto going conjunct also with Mars. <sighs> yeah, man. This, this is power, passion right here. And when you got Pluto conjuncting your Venus, this could be somebody who could be very obsessive with relationships and stuff like that power and make the Pluto would make them naturally obsessed with with their with their being and how they are in this world and what 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 how 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 productive or how they're viewed and their progress with Capricorn being here so the the Pluto and Capricorn generation is the generation of people who uh, are going to rebuild this world from the ground up. They're about building and structures and having Pluto areas. There's going to be a change in infrastructure right here with this generation and what's going on with Pluto right now being in this this house. Oh yeah. So here we are, seventh house. Opposite sign Saturn with restrictions, but it is also exalted in this seventh house in Libra. Because, you know, Libra and Saturn, Venus and Capricorn, you know, they, they sort of go hand in hand. It just takes time, of course. So, with it also being an Aquarius, is, uh, you know, Saturn in the seventh house is a strong placement, as we say, loosely speaking, modern day astrology, but with Aquarius. Owning the Saturn. Sat home is exalted and things are unlocked. Things are changed. Things are flourishing. You know, Capricorn structure putting in place. By the time Aquarius gets here, it knows its place. And it's able to look outside the box. It's the beauty right there. Is exalted. <clears throat> the sun, with it being in a Libra-like house, and with it being in Aquarius, it's in a detriment. But they're also saying it's in a fall. Yeah, it's in a fall slash detriment because it's like a Libra house, right? As we told y'all with the sun and night percentage. We still have a dominance in nighttime. So the sun, even at its peak, is not at full strength. Yep. So 
Here we are. Conjunct the sun with Saturn conjunct is is a bit uncomfortable, standoffish, and it being the seventh house, it's like you know other people that you know view you and you view them are alien because this is Libra ruling this seventh house of relationships for Libra for you. Oh yeah, this person. They got away with their relationships and their ego and how things are panning out. You know, you can look for these influences on y'all. Eighth house. You got Jupiter and Neptune here. So eighth house is traditionally home. By Scorpio, and I told y'all the clash between Scorpio and Aquarius because the difference between, I mean, the opposite of Scorpio is Taurus, but Aquarius, you can notice there's this natural clash and this rebel versus rogue individuality by nature type vibe with Aquarius here, so it's like a little. Well, oof. this person is very, like, different, and the Jupiter here, being here, is just, like, expanding this, this concept, and how you're, you're evolving in this Aquarian-like way, when, when you, when, while, as time is going, and you're growing in this type of nature, with Mars being in your Capricorn, and your sixth that's 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 a we right there. Oh yeah, so you got your Neptune over here conjuncting your Jupiter. So uh, the thing about Neptune is a little different from how Saturn you know, keeps things away from you. But once when you learn the blessing of Saturn, you know, I mean, I already explained that to you. You can look outside the box, probably, right? Neptune is the facade, the vision, the dream, the inception, the deception, the conception, it could be. And with it, with your Jupiter, and it's your eighth house. So, you know, trouble from your sixth to your eighth. This, this, um, these things are going on. It's only going to grow. The more you see the vision, <laughs> the more you, you believe and you're acting in, in your Aquarian-like way and learning in an Aquarian-like way. So your ninth house is empty. It's home to Pisces. So after that, yeah, ninth house is Sagittarius. And, ooh, that's a good that's a good little sign placement right there because another does you know Pisces rule Neptune and co rules Jupiter and Jupiter's growth right there. So you got that. 
that shadow-like aspect in, in the Pisces sun with that Sagittarius Jupiter type vibe right there in your ninth house. That is a good little placement right there. So here we are, 10th house. Capricorn. Uranus and North Node. Oh, yeah. Uranus with the North Node conjunct Capricorn. Well, with Aries technically being here is that trade-off right there. Because, you know, your Mars is in uh, Capricorn right now. So here it is, that 10th house with Aries. Yeah, so there you go. You, you, you're building towards something in that Aries-like way. And it's different with the Uranus and with the... No, no, where you aiming that? Oh, yeah, so innovation is what's driving. Is what's going to build right now, type vibe. 11th house, <coughs> traditionally, Aquarius. Higher learning, community. That's what it means. So we got our moon right here. And, you know. You gotta watch what you say, man. Because your words gonna travel deep with that Aquarius and this and this I mean this this Gemini and this Aquarius like house. Ooh wee yeah with the womb and your Lilith right here, that that black moon right there. So so that's 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 some deepness right here. That's some deepness right here, right here type vibes. You dig? Wow. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of powers going on. It's all exciting. Something to look forward to. Yeah. I like to look at the opposing signs, uh, so that so your moon. Yep, we already know that it's opposing your south node. And, uh, yep, that's about it. Last but not least, the planetary hour is Jupiter. <clears throat> so grow, grow, grow. It's ironic that we doing episodes, so y'all growing. I'm growing, we all growing. Yep. And we are out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is NNM Radio. I'm your host. And we're going to be continuing our usual episodes about the houses. So, also to give y'all a new spin is I'm going to be giving y'all some daily, weekly updates. And also, like, our... But, you know, not hourly or, you know what I mean, and all that. We give y'all what, what's going on in the astrological world. Our astrological forecast. Word. All right. So, first is first, what y'all have been waiting for, is the seventh house. So, here we are, seventh house relative 
to your rising sign, which is obviously on the left. All right, like I did in the last episode, we're starting to map out a chart, and it you know it it needs to be mapped out so you can get an idea the further and further along. Because also, like I told y'all, I'm gonna be stacking what I've been teaching y'all in the last episode into today's lesson. This is seventh house. So, as I get myself together with pen and paper, I'll tell you off the top of my head real quick. Seventh house is the house of somebody hypothetically that is opposite of you. And how they would view you. All your views, your thoughts. Could very most likely, just given off of their potential, theoretical rises sign being literally on the opposite side of your chart. So, let's go ahead and map this out. <clears throat> and I'll give y'all some more info. Alright, so I had to go in and divide it up. Alright, so the seventh house could also be interpreted as a partner. Your partner in crime. So people traditionally, maybe not, would look at somebody's chart and be like, Alright, what is your seventh house? And depending on your sign, and even the planet, of course... Because that's what's giving it that boom. You did emphasis on that house is is uh, meaning some some uh, things to to look forward to in somebody else. Because if y'all remember about the sixth episode, I mean the last episode is about the sixth house. Sixth house is thyself, not like the third house. This is octave up. This is your your personal insight is the best way I could put it. Because the sixth house is Virgo and Virgo. Right, guys. Let's let's just roll with the punches, right? Virgo is about the intuition, they're about internalizing information when they're at their highest point. They're able to distribute the insight. Thus, the archetype with the grain and being at a distance. You know, she started off in the temple, then went to outside the city, like in a forest, then went to the mountaintop, and now in the sky. <clears throat> That's her archetype. So here we go. As I'm going along, I will explain some more about the seventh house. When we draw up a hypothetical, oh yeah, our Capricorn rising friend. So Capricorn, Capricorn, 
right here, Capricorn rising. So, boom, that line. That line is your rising sign, at least on the left side of the chart. On the right side of the chart, you'll be learning towards your DC, and now we just found out. Now, depending on, of course, your location, because that's also the thing about astrology, you got to know your location of birth. That, in that location, facing up to the sky, would be your rising sign. At whichever constellation, especially if a planet is there that is extra, extra power. So here we go. So let's say they're dead on the line, all right? And their Capricorn is down here. So I just draw their little symbol. Like I told y'all. So we would say, oh, oh, oh. There goes the hypothetical line right there, all right? So this side is Capricorn right there. And then above that line would be the 12th house. We'll get to that soon. All right. So Capricorn rising, like I always like to do, is put their sun right here. Their sun. So, like we always go through in episodes, Capricorn rising. They're the architect. The structure builder. The builder. Organize. Organization. Goals, tasks, duty, purpose, purpose, right? So we got the sun right here. Sun in the first house gives a very strong presence on how other people view them and how they come off. Because like we always learn, first house, Aries. Aries is purpose. Passion. So, when you got the ego, the sun. The sun is the king of the chart. You know, there is, of course, power with Jupiter. We cannot deny. But the sun is not a planet, it is a star. So, that's its power right there. So, when you put somebody's ego, in the house of purpose and passion. And they are Capricorn rising. You have a, a, a movable and unstoppable individual. Here's the second house. After Capricorn is Aquarius. So here, they got Aquarius in this second house. Sun is already there. So let's say Mercury. No, 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 no. We're going we gonna to stick with this. Let's say Venus. Venus second house. Like we always we said in the episodes. Venus second house, strong relationship with possessions, and they might even see people as possessions. You know, 
from an outsider, of course, that's offensive. From somebody on the inside, such as myself, it's more of you actually care about that person. You're willing to sacrifice something, you know, as, as of yourself, you know. In some type of way, it could be obviously Venus. Like, how's money? Material, some type of value with the status. And in the highest lesson of Venus is love thyself. You must love thyself. You think of thyself, you're, you're not thinking of other people. If you're caught up in a rut of other people, other people, other people, you know, it's, it's hard to love thyself. The true essence, and it may come all selfish because, like I explained to you, Venus is the hottest planet in the solar system. Now I know what you're saying. Oh, the sun, sun. Remember what I said at the beginning of the episode. The sun is not a planet. <laughs> it is a star. The king. Venus, the hottest planet. And plus, Venus, like Libra, Facade is more than just meets the eyes, <laughs> you know, Transformers. So underneath the surface is is totally different, you know, of appearance. And Venus can be toxic and manipulative, you know, could show one side and then you know Venus. You know, people that like associate like Scorpio as being like two sided and all this and that. Venus, especially when Venus is not operating right and it's all selfishness, boom, that is the anti-Venus. That is like the opposite of the casual Venus traits. <clears throat> so when the self-love comes from a truly good, humble place, a sincere place, an honest place, self-love then you master Venus so here we go ah Aquarius Aquarius in the second house would think in an individualized way about possessions and with their Venus being there would put the emphasis that is at home second house is Taurus so, as you know, um, we could switch up the signs and even the planets a little bit as we go later to give y'all an idea. Aquarius, right here in the second house. So, you know, when Aquarius is not as detached and not as, uh, you know, unemotional. Not really, like, unemotional, because that's not really... It is detachment, you know, but, oh, neglect. You know, it sort of sounds like those are like hand in hand and I'm saying the same thing. But for some reason, I just noticed those two things. Detachment is like more of thyself. Neglect is like of somebody else. So, you know, when Aquarius is operating in that type of sense, it, 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 could, it could hurt the community because also traditionally in this the 11th house is Aquarius and that's 
multiple. It's a community house. And Aquarius can be a part of the community. Think about Aquarius is is it's it could be a very fine line of the individuality. And because of that, that's what makes Aquarius a game changer of the entire zodiacs. Because with that individualistic mindset, they're able to do something different by themselves without influencing to the action. And as you can see, like in Martin Luther King, he's not a loner. So it's individualized action within the crowd of people, the multiples. <clears throat> right there. So we could say Pisces is uh, in your third house. And we could say Mercury here is at home, right? So here we are. Mercury third house puts emphasis on your thinking process and your speech. It puts emphasis really not so much on, oh, you think faster, you're smarter and all that. It puts emphasis on your precision in your communication and also perceiving communication all, and all types of communication, even body language. So, so, you know, that's, that's the thing. Mercury's at home is fully functional right here. Even to the point where it could be a bit like a mind reader. Because if you can imagine Mercury at home would pick up on details. You know, because... Mercury is about information. Third house is Gemini. Now, third house, traditionally Gemini, meaning, yes, Gemini does have the other side of Mercury, like how Virgo has it, but we already took... Matter of fact, if I haven't told y'all, in modern-day astrology, Virgo has also been um, the host of uh, Ceres. As in the Rocky Belt before you hit Mars. So, yeah, that, you know, to tell y'all some more information, give y'all so, so much information, and you know what I mean? I said, boom, so y'all know. All right, so Gemini, Gemini is the polar opposite. Of Sagittarius. If you can imagine Sagittarius with the communications from a philosophical instance, and on their bad side, they could be dogmatic and too much of a dull or very shallow philanthropist in some sort. And Gemini, with their talking ability, can have the ability to talk to anybody. Because if you can imagine on the other side of Having that natural philosophical aspect of yourself in Sagittarius, they could be hindered from that. 
And then on the other side, they could be blessed by that, by, you know, speaking that language because Sagittarius is half man, half beast. Gemini being so blessed with socializing. It's literally the third zodiac sign that comes. After everybody else who comes, it is Gemini. Far as our, you know, Gregorian calendar sense, right? And, you know, I, 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 I take note of that. And it's because the gift of gab, the gift of the voice, you know, um, humor is unique to humans. Now, that's an old saying. But, you know, there's, there's a silver lining in that saying, meaning that it's very well possible that through our words, we shaped our reality, being of nature. And I know that's a very far off concept, but I really wanted to tell y'all short and sweet, sort of like the true essence of the possibility of the gift of gab. You know, Gemini is the, the androgynous sign. You know, uh... Technically, traditionally, I would say it's male. Because after Gemini is Cancer, that's female. And then after that is Leo, that's male. And then after that is Virgo, that's female. You know, that's how the border goes. But, you know, and I had to say but. And I think it's, it's used in this correct context. Gemini apparently is different, and I think a lot of people will agree on me about that. Is you know uh, the, the the gift talk to all? You know, coming on this side, I could lean this side, and then coming off that side, I could lean off that side. That, and they they the natural archetype for this person is charm. And charm does go a long way, unlike how Sagittarius will come off in their gap. You'll be enlightened, you know, if you see charm in that. Like a sapiosexual, I believe that is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that's, you know. So, if you can imagine now, you got Mercury right here within the traditional house of Gemini. You know. <laughs> You know, this person got away with words and how they speak and how they could come off to people, even regardless of how they look. As soon as they open up their mouth, they know apparently what to say and even how to like control a conversation because they're conversationalists and they, they have that natural agility and acrobatics <laughs> to say, you know, to, to know the area of how to do with said concepts because that's also the powerful thing this is voice right here you know so it's it's you know all these planets and their unique in their traditional house brings even so much more of a dynamic take on an interpreting so here we go. We got Pisces right here. <clears throat> so Pisces is an enigma. 
Not like how Aquarius is. You know Aquarius, they could be a bit small-minded. Pisces. This is the next sign. Over, this is the dream. This is also the, the professional, the practical. Even though, you know, other people would interpret their practical as a bit dull and a bit lazy. It, you know, it's it's not like a Sagittarius practical. It's, it's different. But I can imagine with Capricorn, you know what I mean? They, they got away with being practical, right? So, <laughs> Pisces practical is from more of a internalized trust. As if they they really do believe. And that's also the thing about Pisces, you know? And also the archetype type about Pisces is loyalty. These people are loyal. You know? That's why when they match up with the Scorpio, it's about, you know, clinging and being loyal and all that. They, boom. Hand and glove. You know what I mean? It's like somehow the, the Pisces will always cross paths with the Scorpio and it's like also spiritual, you know, type of reunion. I mean, Pisces go through life and just live life in such a unique way and how they are able to achieve their goals is it's like a dream come true, the best way to put it. Because <clears throat> this is unlike Capricorn where you could see it with your own eyes. The concept about Pisces is the unseen. So there are moments when you don't see your Piscean friend, your dream, or, you know, next time you see them, something changed, something new, something different. And you also, you know, the, the, the house that's right next to them is Aries. So you... They, they know about being professional. That's, that's, you know, how to interpret it. The conjoint or the cusmness of, of, of that, you know, sign between the signs. Because there are some qualities that right there on the cusp, they, they have different or more unique, you know, traits that they share with one another. In a unique way. Alright, so fourth house. We say the moon is right here. So here we are. The moon, fourth house. And Aries is here. So. This person. Emotionally. Purposeful. I see. Is right here. You know. Meaning this is their internalized self. And the moon is the mind. That is a higher knowing. We keep interpreting Mercury as the mind. When in fact, 
It is the moon. It is the mind. And taking that into consideration and interpretation, how much of your personality is through your mind. You know, you, you want other things of yourself to express. Your heart, right? Not your genitals or your genitalia, just, you know, that's what you call somebody a dickhead, you know? So, when you, when you got the moon right here, this person, powerful mind. And then you got the Mercury right here. You know what I mean? Right there in his home, you know, communication. Powerful mind right here. It's, this person has a lot of capacity for emotional, mental growth. They they could they could have a whole lot. They they their capacity is vast. Because, you know, um, in modern day interpretation of astrology, we like to compare the sun and the moon, right? Meaning one is yin and one is yang as if, you know, a moon has power compared to a star. You know, that's, you know, my interpret is how I see it. But, you know, other people, you know, and, you know, that's, that is the, the true belief in the mind right there. There goes the point. And the idea is the true power of the mind can be comparable to a star. So when, when you got that moon right there, you when you fully have mastered your mind, then... <laughs> This house would it was it it would unlock for you, and this is the fourth house traditional cancer. You know, and people would interpret this as the home. Cancer, the sign. My interpretation is security. And um, emotional maturity. There's so much more to learn from cancer because cancer, like I told you, it's like with the Pisces, loyal. They have that loyal aspect. So when they're security, when when they are emotionally secure about people, about ideas, the things that they do, then you will see that strength because cancer is very strong. Mike Tyson. Cancer's son, you know, it's the baddest man. And you know, there's there's other cancer people that that you could think of that, you know, like, you know, physically, you know, with your own eyeballs, you can see. These are strong people, and you know, like in those commercials, this a big guy. Like that other commercial that had that one black actor, you know, almost for like what ten years. No, it's it's like that, you know. 
this cancer right there. This is about this scary. There's another element about cancer that hopefully it comes to mind so I can also tell y'all. <clears throat> so here we are. Aries is in that house. So that passion ignited. Purpose ignited with the mind. We got a force waiting to be awakened. Also emotionally awakened. So here we are. Fifth house. We already have the sun. So we just trade places to say Saturn. Here in the fifth house, so this will make it Taurus. Taurus. All right, Saturn in the fifth house. Now, fifth house is traditionally ruled by the sun. And the sun in this case is fun because this is its house. This is its element. And children, it could be you know a little childish, you know. It could be a bit of excessiveness and you know, in some aspects. If put out of place by seeing that Saturn is here. You can imagine it's uncomfortable. It puts some restrictions, some boundaries on that. Saturn is a planet of lessons. This is Jupiter's father. And in old mythos Saturn. A Roman god that devoured its children. And I believe the lesson is that the reason why he devoured his children is because they didn't learn their lesson. They didn't come to... They, there was something that people and they all didn't do because Saturn is not in this alone he, he had Rhea his wife and Jupiter you know if if Jupiter didn't do what he did he could have still felt prey and and the task of of conquering and learning the lesson of Saturn is monumentous. It's unlike anything you have ever faced before. But, you know, the task that Saturn presents is not greater than what you're capable of. Because in this instance, you're Zeus. You're Jupiter. In this instance, you must grow an ability and a talent with within which what you do it all depends you know on placements if I was to compare more of this metaphor but you know the point is that until that is done you you are done you know with Saturn with Saturn Saturn is not going to lose its grasp its grasp I should say you know, only certain times, if you could probably imagine how some people interpret it, like a retrograde 
And you know, the blessing of Saturn is its size and magnitude. That's when you unlock what has been, you know, caged up for you. And this is the fifth house. The fifth house of your traditional Leo, your traditional sun quality, your ego, your generosity, your your natural regal regal grace right here. Saturn is also time when the time comes. Must grow. You must get stronger. So we got Taurus here. Taurus. Practical progress right here. And Taurus, I believe, is up for the task. It is a good placement. Because Taurus is the co rule of Venus. So you have that sign aspect right there with Venus, you got something of a little symmetry right there. It's a, it's a strong sign placement with a planet because when Venus learns to love thyself, remember, right? Things are unlocked for it is able to love others in a whole new way. And Venus is all about relationships. So here we go. That that that's you know that's powerful. So so you got you got somebody that could be pro productively practical about the boundaries, about the relationships. And this is the fifth house, traditionally house system. This is like your debut, even though we said you know you're rising, but. But the word but is used in its proper context because there is a difference. The rising is your spirit self's traditional astrological journey developing. And there's all different points. Your spirit self will hit in this chart. So here we go. Sixth house. And we could go along with the, uh-oh, we actually got another one, Mercury, right here. So, let's say Sirius, right? Because I don't give y'all some insight on that. Right after Taurus is Gemini. Boom. So that's dope. All right. So in Mercury's place, that would be, you know, depending on some charts, in the sixth house in this traditional sign with Virgo in the sixth house. So Ceres is, uh, well, you know, Ceres is a bit deep because seeing that this is more literal 
the archetype of Virgo, and in its name Cirrus is um, uh, a character archetype. So to interpret this is like imagining yourself losing something that will eventually come back. And because of that and that event happening, you you must learn that even though that happened, you cannot allow things to suffer because of that loss, because we all have lost something. That's its whole relevance throughout the whole entire chart, regardless of some houses. For everybody, we all have lost something. So serious. Right here in the sixth house of his home in Virgo could mean something about your own personal self, your own personal life. So maybe, you know, some possession or even somebody. Because uh give y'all some quick insight. Sirius archetype is the tale of Persephone. Sirius or Demeter is uh, Persephone's mother. And if you know the tale of Persephone in Hades. So, story real quick is, you know, I did, you know, basically tell y'all the points. It's that, you know, she goes to the underworld. She is taken to the underworld. She goes into a bond with Hades and goes to the underworld. She must go into the underworld. And for a period of time, she is to spend time in the underworld with Hades. She is also in the underworld considered his wife, his, you know, his queen. And, you know, Hades is king of the underworld. And then, after some time, with the help of Zeus, of course, you know, because she couldn't just stay down there. And the way Ceres was, because Ceres archetype is of the grain of the wheat agriculture you know the, of the growth in that and because you know her daughter is also an agricultural goddess you know and daughter goes it's what cause a lot of things to die if not everything darn near everything to die and, and the land's far so you know People suffered, and you know it was a ruckus. It was a ruckus because it's literally the the goddess of of agriculture right there. You know, you know Zeus had to intervene. You know, make some change and be like, look, she comes up and spends some time with her mother, and then let's say around another part of the year she could go on back down again, and that's her whole journey, and that's the mythos. And to give y'all some more perspective of how to interpret Ceres in your chart, natally, depending on what house that is. So, Virgo, house of thyself, the insight, your knowledge, what you know, because from experience, right here, is what makes Virgo different from Sagittarius. You know, they, they both could trade notes. You know, they 
Uh, they have to, man. So, uh, Gemini here <coughs> interpreting Sirius with Gemini. It's like something. Because Sirius is, is personal, you know? This ain't like uh, some faraway person you never knew of. Or maybe even something. But with, with Gemini here, it could mean something very personal, something very close by, something was said, and something might have even been done from what has been said or what was said, not to you, not with you, but it definitely does involve you. Because here we are, it's the gap, the... the the intellect of 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 a conversation and with with people nonetheless you know with somebody you know that hey you know there, there's some learning that you have to do within yourself and, and you know do do something with that voice well, you know, Gemini also would slipped out my mind that did come back is social, you know, right here. Difference between how how Gemini can go, you know, in a good way and in a bad way. And if you can imagine for Sagittarius, you know, in a good way or a bad way. Like, you know, how, how I illustrated earlier, but, you know, another critique on that is Gemini madness. Gemini insanity and so what it means on a social matter. Here we are, seventh house. Boom, boom, boom. It's traditionally owned by Libra, but seeing that we already use our Libra slot. And we also used our moon slot. And we also used our Saturn slot. Um, let's go in and put Mars here. And right after Gemini is Cancer. And here we are. We're towards the end of the episode. And last notes and reviews. We'll give y'all some more insight about the seventh house. Now that we got our planet lined up, we got our sign lined up. Seventh house, like I began with episode, could be hypothetical. Somebody on the other side of the table looking at and perceiving and going through the world. They're just on the other side of that experience for you. This isn't like hypothetical moon relationship and how, you know, once your Venus lines up with somebody or your Mars lines up with somebody, how... Your partner is, you know, once when they get to know you, so here's your moon placement, you know, this is something, and this could be interpreted something different, and ought to be, you know, because your your partner self doesn't have to be the person you end up with, or, you know, in a relationship, marriage, and all that. This is just... Also, this could be somebody who you could perceive as your enemy. 
because the qualities in this person is the polar opposites of your qualities and how they come to purpose and to achieving their goals would seem alien to you and you would disagree with that naturally with your perspective and if you can imagine for them with their perspective on you so here we are we got our mars here can mean purpose and you know something about the other person other people's perspective on you other people's relationship with you is based off of a Mars-like thing. And it's purposeful right here. So here, here we are, Capricorn rising person. They they got it. boom, boom, boom with that Mars placement. This is all hypothetical chart. We haven't even done the rest of it. We're only going to be doing up to love. That's a level, right? House, the seventh house. So here we are, Cancer. Like I said, cancer is about security, emotional maturity. You know, they don't want to be operating and being insecure. This is something they could value in Libra because they could see how they socially go about in, in their security. You know, something that also Leo and uh, Aquarius and Myers in, in, in Libra about social security on that sense. And here we are in this public other half of the house, you know, the seventh house. So when you're able to unlock that grasp that cancer, if you can imagine, has with regarding you know, what you hold dear to you on a close level. Because it will be unlocked for, you, you know, if you can imagine your relationships with people with a different perspective and approach in your relationships. With your Mars here, you know, hopefully things go boom, 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 good for you. Uh, you know, Mars and Cancer... Uh, you know, there could be a bit of a clash here. You know, somebody could get a bit hot-headed, if you can imagine. So, you know, you can watch out for that. And, um, yeah, you know, we'll wrap that up. I'm going to give you your astrological forecast, and, you know, <laughs> we're about to run out of time for this segment. But I'm, I am happy I was able to map out you know, the chart all the way up to the south house for y'all. So we are out.